You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 191, Marcus Popetz on Harmonize by 42 Lines. I don't need another judgment day, no. Anything the good Lord giveth, Uncle Sam, he taketh away. Cause Big Brother's got a big debt, baby, guess who has to pay? It's the way you mug me, it's unspeakable pain. It's a personal washout down a bottomless drain. It's abhorrently taxing, it's unbelievable. Kiss this! Hi, this is Rod Murray. Glad to be back. In recognition of Tax Day, that's a clip from the parody Kiss This, Hey, IRS, by Robert Lund, who is a very talented comedy singer and songwriter. If that tune sounds familiar, it's based on the country music singer Faith Hill's This Kiss. So don't forget to stay tuned at the end of my podcast for the full song. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. In the interest of full disclosure, my institution, the University of the Sciences, uses D2L Brightspace. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is RodsPods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website, at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Marcus Popetz, CEO and co-founder of 42 Lines. Harmonize is their main product. It's a discussion tool that allows students to communicate, interact, and engage more easily with one another. It supports richer discussion and collaboration. Faculty and students upload multiple files directly within posts and easily record audio and video comments. We discuss where they come up with the name of 42 lines for their company. What's wrong with discussion boards? Their product also does group chat and instant messaging. It requires the, an LMS with LTI integration. It attempts to lower the instructor workload by using analytics. It creates a hybrid cadence between synchronous and asynchronous modes of teaching. It integrates well with Zoom and other video conferencing systems, includes accessibility accommodation, including auto captioning. It's certainly compatible with smartphones. It gives a visual layout that resembles cards instead of a long list of discussion text. And faculty can mark up videos. That's one of the first times I've ever heard that in terms of an educational product. And lastly, we talk about their future direction, which is to use data science to build formative dropout detectors to help improve student retention. So without further ado, here's my interview with Marcus. So Marcus, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me and my audience today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. My pleasure. Happy to be here. And just so everybody knows, you are the CEO and co-founder of 42 Lines. So my first question is, I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, where does 42 Lines come from? <laughs> the the name or the company itself? The name. Let's start with the name. All right. Yeah. So, um, you know, as people do, my, myself and my co-founder put our heads together and we're trying to come up with a name because we knew we wanted to start a company and then you have to pick the name from there. Um, and what we settled on is that um, one of the biggest innovations in technology, and this may be a little grandiose, uh, is that the, the Gutenberg printing press allowed dissemination of information. And uh, the Bible was the first thing printed on it, and there were 42 lines uh, printed per page. 
And so it's this idea of uh, innovation and in technology plus communication plus also conciseness um, because we are a technology company. Like, can we keep it as simple as we can as we go sort of unify to, to pull all those together? Well, that's, that's interesting. I learned, I learned something there. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Before I get into um, talking about your, uh, your main product that I'm interested in, Harmonize, um, why don't you give us a little bit of background of yourself and how you got involved with the company? Uh, sounds good. Yeah. So I come from a technology background and um, frankly, technology broke me at one point. Um, I was I was selling labels, building a website for Avery uh, online and um, just decided that it I wasn't having enough social impact on the world. And so I tried to go become a high school teacher and quickly found out that that is a really, really difficult job. It's a tough job. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. And so I tried that. I volunteered for about four or five months and then decided, you know, I'm really good at technology and I'm, you know, one of the rare individuals that can do tech, but also talk to people about tech and how tech can solve their problems. And so I came back into technology because I knew I would burn out as a high schooler, high school teacher and um, and end up, you know, getting into education technology so that I could do what I do best, but also sort of have that same impact as a, as I went. When, so when did um, Forty Two Lines start? What? Uh, how did? How did you evolve? It was Harmonize uh, the product that you uh, uh, was your initial uh, thought, or were there other steps along the way? So many steps along the way, and uh, so we started over a decade ago, two thousand and eight, if I remember correctly. Um, <laughs> as I get older, my memory fades a little. Um, but uh, we started out actually doing custom software development for education because there wasn't a whole lot of off-the-shelf shelf solutions for uh, for people to use. And so we would go into a university and we would help bring that university online by building building software to meet their needs, whatever it was. And as we learn more and more and more about how universities work and how education works and what the gaps were, that's when we started to look and say, hey, you know, we have all of this knowledge and we stuff we've learned. Let's actually try to have an even broader impact. So instead of doing it school by school, let's see if we can build products that will help more than one school um, because there's some pretty obvious holes in the in the online education world and trying to, to help fix those. So Harmonize is actually relatively new compared to the company, um, you know, probably started development two or three years ago and really launched it, um, you know, start of well, right before the pandemic, honestly. Really? No, so it's very <laughs> new. Yeah. It is very new. Yeah. We had uh, some beta customers in it helping us uh, get it hammered out. But uh, but the real launch was at the start of last year. Well, when I first uh, heard about Harmonize, um, I heard it was a discussion board. Now, it's obviously a lot more than that. Maybe you could start by saying, what's wrong with typical discussion boards you would see in your LMS? Yeah, I. it's funny because when you think about the discussion boards, they're all text. They make you kind of feel like you're back in the 1990s. And then when you compare that to, well, for those of us who remember the 1990s, I should say, but um, but it, then when you compare that to like how people interact, um, you hear these complaints in online education, like students aren't engaged, they're not interacting well. But then when you look at social media, you're like, man, this is where people turn to form groups and turn to form community. And what's the difference between the two? And one of the obvious ones that jumped out at us is like the technology is just so old in the discussion boards. It's so antiquated feeling that it doesn't allow you to express yourself the way you would in social media. It doesn't allow images. It doesn't allow videos. It doesn't allow all the things that you would expect. 
And so from a technology perspective, that was a whole, obviously there's a difference in content as well, because you can talk about kittens on social media, but you probably won't do that in an academic setting. So there's a difference there, but, um, but it was definitely an area where we're like, wow, this is just sad because the main interaction between students and peer to peer groups and students to instructor is that discussion board and, and people aren't using the tools they're accustomed to that they use every day when they're interacting with their friends and their family and whatnot on the internet. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's a different uh, world, and and uh, you know, it's the the pandemic, of course, has pushed people online. I mean, I we talk about it uh, last March as being you know uh, emergency online teaching with Zoom, which uh, you may agree is not the best way to learn things. Uh, we don't want to just take our lectures and move them online. It seems like uh, this is very timely and. Uh, has uh, since you are new, I, I guess if, if I was a potential customer, I would want to know. I don't. I wouldn't want to be your first customer. So, uh, mm-hmm. how many customers do you have right now? And are, are you still in the midst of of building out new features, or is it pretty pretty well designed now? Um, so we have a, uh, almost fifty schools using it at this point. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't be our first, um, and I totally, totally get that. No one wants to be on the cutting edge of education. Um, in terms of feature, the product is actually really mature. Yet we're still, I mean, we're still adding features constantly, um, and we're pushing into different areas of communication. So we started out being a discussion board, um, but quickly started pivoting as also to add uh, instant messaging, sort of group chat, uh, sort of for a more of a synchronous style text communication. Then so we can blend that. You know, you have fully asynchronous in the discussion board, synchronous chat, and then we also do integrations with Zoom and such so that you can then go fully synchronous and come back. So we're trying to kind of fill all of the gaps there of how do the students um, interact with each other in whatever way that is appropriate for what they're doing, being at small group chats to get their homework done or small Zoom sessions or asynchronous or whatever it is. Can we meet the students where they're at? Um, and then more and more, we've been focused on sort of the analytics behind that and how can we lower the classroom management burden on the instructor, um, not by trying to replace them. I'm kind of fervently anti-AI as a replacement for instructors, but how can we give them the tools to point out things that they might want to consider? And so a lot of the work we're doing now is, you know, we, all of this rich information can tell you a lot about the cohorts of students and such, and and uh, maybe where do you need to spend a little more time than not? Um, and then we sort of put those tools in the instructor's hands. So that's where a lot of our energy in the upcoming three to six months is going to be spent. You know, so uh, you, you mentioned synchronous chat. Obviously, there's probably, there's uh, I'm sure there's asynchronous features, so that I guess it it builds on top of what might look like a, a standard discussion board, uh, mm-hmm. and then you're layering these new features. Uh, uh, if if there's a you know a, a synchronous uh, portion to a course, you can have synchronous chat, but you're not trying to replace something like Zoom because that's a whole no. other world of of you know real time video back and forth. So yeah, and we really like yeah. Zoom. Oh yeah, yeah, no, we, def- uh, we yeah, definitely nothing push to complain about for- there. Yeah. How about um, LMS integration? You talk about integrating with Zoom. Does that complicate matters? Do you do you do, is your product ever used as a standalone product, or is it always integrated with an LMS? Always with the LMS. So we don't want students to have to go 
set up a separate login or go to a separate account. And and also institutions really like to have everything centralized. So we want it to be easy for the students. So it's all integrated to the major LMSs so that it's a, it seems seamless to the student. Sure, it's a separate tool. It's a separate platform. But the student doesn't have to know that, nor does the instructor. Um, and that's our goal. So and then, you know, integration with Zoom is you know, it happens inside of our software to be able to schedule and launch the meetings and make sure students are getting in there and notify them when the meetings are coming. But the reason we push into areas like that is not to replace Zoom. And I say Zoom because that's my favorite, but it it can work with any, you know, it can work with any uh, any video conferencing thing as long as you have a URL. Um, with Zoom, we do a little more, but I'll get to that. Um, but it's this idea that like the problem with going to Zoom is that you jump into a Zoom session, you're there for an hour. What was the prep work? Um, you got tired. What was the follow-up? Who couldn't make it from an equity perspective? And so what we're trying to ease the gap on is to say, look, you're in your asynchronous discussion. Let's have a prompt and a discussion for a few days. And then instead of rolling into an hour-long conversation, let's roll into a 20-minute conversation and and then let's roll back into the discussion. So it all happens in one place. So you can really get that flow of think about it, do some pre-work, roll into the synchronous session, uh, leave that. We'll pull the Zoom recording back so that the students who missed it can still catch up. Uh, but it's kind of like that ebb and flow from asynchronous into synchronous back to asynchronous. And how does that cadence work and how we, can we make that cadence easier for the instructor to set up and run? Well, that now that's, you know, uh, great thing about doing what I do in this podcast. I, I love to hear about and learn about new educational technologies. And what you just said there, I, I don't think I've ever heard before, which is, having this uh, cadence or something to be able to tie together synchronous and asynchronous content. So that's really intriguing. And you say you can actually um, pull back uh, the, the Zoom. So that's that's sounds like it's a fairly tight integration with Zoom. Did, did, did they, were, were they involved or is something you can do with your own magic? Yeah, their APIs are, is, so this is one of the things I like about Zoom is that their APIs and their platform are really stable. Um, and so we didn't even have to contact them. We just got developer keys. And and as long as you have a Zoom license, we can pull the recording back in and it all just is behind the scenes. It goes back to, you could do this with any conferencing software. You know, you can grab the recording, you can upload it, but you're dealing with large video files and, and or URLs and how do you do that? And so we're just trying to ease that burden a little bit and we can do that with Zoom, but you know, if you paste in a URL from a different one, we give you a place to upload the recording. We just don't automate it for you. So the, we don't want to exclude people if they're not Zoom users, if they're maybe their Teams users or or whatever other software. Got it. Um, now, just from my own sort of little selfish point of view here, uh, my institution um, uses D12 Brightspace. In fact, they're my sponsor on this podcast. So uh, do you integrate with uh, Bongo, which is their video conferencing tool? Do you know if it's, you can integrate with them? Uh, we don't do a direct integration with them, so, um, but you know they, I, you know I haven't used Bongo directly myself, but I'm assuming that they allow you to set up a meeting room and share a URL. And we, as long as you can do that, we can we can pull it back in, and then we just give you a place to drag and drop any recordings in. Um, and we do the similar notifications to the students in that case, where you say, hey, we're going to go into Bongo at 3 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, we'll notify the students, you know, whatever the settings are, day before, hour before, so they don't miss it, um, and then jump in there and then be able to come back into the discussion afterwards. Right. Interesting. One thing that's top of mind for a lot of people these days is accessibility and student accommodations, um, something like um, um, 
the tran- you know, transcription in videos comes to mind. Uh, what mm-hmm. can you tell me about those aspects of, of this educational technology? Yeah, so we, we 100% agree with you because one of the things, that one of the dilemmas we face is that we're pushing people to do richer media. And so coupled with that is a responsibility, right? So if you upload a video or we allow you to record straight from your webcam or straight from your phone or whatever, if we're encouraging you to do that level of, of interaction, we want to make sure we're not leaving people behind. And so um, Amazon Web Services has great uh, transcription software. We hooked up to that. So if you, if a student or an instructor uh, uploads content or records content, we'll go ahead and actually do auto captioning currently in English. Um, we're looking at, can we do it in other languages for foreign language classes and such, but, um, but we'll go ahead and auto caption those so that if we are encouraging people to do that video, we are also not putting the onus on the students or the instructors to have to come up with a, the, you know, SRT files to caption them. I'm sure people have struggled with that from an institution perspective and, you know, it's a computer transcribing it. So sometimes the, the wording's a little off. You can always download it and fix it if you're a stickler for, for no computer typos, but at least it gets over that hump of, of being able to do it. And what we find is that it's not even so much even just for accessibility. Like people appreciate that because they might be in a coffee shop trying to catch up on things and they don't want to turn on their audio and bother. Right. Them. You know, we heard, we, we heard this early on in the beta. You don't hear that so much in pandemic times. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, right. but to be able to turn those on and, and to be able to, uh, to read what's going on versus trying to listen to the audio is helpful. Good. So I'm, I'm glad you thought about that up front. That's, uh, that's admirable. Uh, you mentioned phones. So uh, students, if they're in, a, in their own quiet space, they could, they could use your entire product uh, on a smartphone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we integrate with the uh, apps that the LMSs use. We try not to create our, well, we haven't yet created our own mobile app. We don't think they should need to have to install more. Um, oh, so okay. we make sure what we're doing is working inside of the mobile app from the different platforms. Oh, that's good. That's what I was trying to picture how that would work, whether with you, uh, you know, we, we have a portal, uh, you know, on a mobile portal, which, you know, uh, transitions, you know, to our LMS or transitions to other products mm-hmm. that we have on campus. So you're not you're not handing it off to your own app. You're doing it within the uh, LMS. That's that's uh, sounds like a good approach. Yes. Just getting into a little more of the uh, sort of the business plan, but it seems like you would be a prime candidate to be swallowed up by some other LMS. <laughs> are, uh-huh. are you determined to uh, stay independent these days? Yeah, I think we are. Um, you know, I mean, it, we haven't approached anybody about acquire, acquiring us. What we really liked, I mean, one of the, so getting back to the company founding, like we really like to be able to do things for the right reason. And once you get either, I mean, you have to make money, obviously, so I'm not discounting that. But on the other hand, like we don't have any private equity backing. We're entirely self-funded. And so we're able to make decisions that we think are right. Uh, and I and after you've owned a company for a decade, like, you know, it's an interesting question of what it would be like to work for someone else again. Um, right. I suppose eventually I could do it. But, um, <laughs> but right now it's like, how do we approach and try to change what's going on here? Because there's so many ideas we have that we want to be able to go explore and they don't necessarily have to have a profit associated with them. You know, we can do it for the right reason versus the profit reason. And, you know, a lot of those times those things line up in terms of it's things that institutions want and maybe it's things institutions are willing to pay for, but also, you know, things like focusing on equity and focusing on, you know, usability testing for accessibility and things like that to where it's not just checking the box of like, we're accessible. It's like, yeah, we are, but is it painful to use? 
um, cause we had this, uh, I don't know how much you want me to segue into this, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we had this great experience where we were, uh, labeled accessible and I wanted my entire team to sort of put a human face to it. And so we had the people who are doing the accessibility checking actually get on video and then, uh, talk through them using our product, um, and it wasn't great uh, it, back in the day. Um, it was a good learning lesson that there's a difference between certification and actually being usable. And it kind of really drove it home for the team to be able to see that. And then when I say, hey, let's focus on this, they remember that interaction of like watching this gentleman try to use the software. And he could do it. But we're like, oh, it could be so much easier. <laughs> um, like he shouldn't have to to navigate like that. And and I think I that's one of the things I would encourage so many tech companies to do is to like put that in front of your team so that when you then say we have to be compliant, they know what that means and why they're doing it versus the the just checking the checkbox because it was it's more work to make it usable than it is just to have it function and meet the legal compliance guidelines. Right, right. There's a couple things that uh, came to mind and. Talking about uh, this as a as a new product, you know, so many times when you uh, doesn't have to be an LMS, but other other software products for an uh, education, there are different uh, modules, and you know, it's a it's a menu. You know, what do you want, uh, and and the cost varies depending on what features you need. Is does everybody do, do your uh, schools get everything, or are there different flavors of Harmonize? No, every. They get everything with one exception. They can buy down versus up if they want. And the only case where we sell things separately is that, let's say you wanted to use all of our tools in half your classrooms, but the other half, you just wanted them to have the synchronous chat. Uh, we'll sell a cheaper version that just has the synchronous chat that you can use everywhere so you don't have to pay for the full uh, license to be able to use the discussion platform. But we don't currently tier things. Um, in terms of selling more, selling less. Um, I, and unless we come across things that are really expensive for us to do so that we have to in order to be able to keep the price low but add them as options, then I could see doing that. But as of now, uh, it's one price, gets you everything. Use it if you want. If you don't, great. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and what features suit you? Obviously, this podcast is not meant to be a uh, uh, product demonstration, but can, can you uh... – Walk us through uh, what the experience is like, maybe first for a faculty and then, and then a student in terms of getting started with this and what they have to do to become familiar. Yeah, let's see how good of a visual storyteller I am um, as we go. Uh, so what we, I think the, the big difference is when you come in as an instructor or when you come in as a student, this applies. Um, you know, you think of what you come into in the traditional discussion. There's, a, there's posts and there's a long scrolling wall of text. And so it's really, there's two problems with that one. It's, it's overwhelming just from an engagement perspective, but also it's easy to lose things. And, and so what, when you first experience harmonize, uh, what we do is we lay things out more like what you would see in Instagram or in Pinterest or other social medias where it's visual first. Um, and it's set up like a card layout. If you can imagine you come in and you see a grid of images or a grid of profile pictures with topics to be discussed in them. And so you can at a glance see what's happening, see where the interaction is at, and then choose where to go in the classroom. So it's trying to, instead of having this long, flattened list of discussions, it's more of a go participate where you see fit and let's guide you visually to get there so that your first move in is not overwhelming and your second and your third move in aren't I've lost stuff. It's I can come in, I can see where the activity's at, I can get a quick 
you know, graphic glimpse as to what they're saying, and then I can jump in and participate at a deeper level. And we do that by what we call cards. So if you picture a grid of cards, you want to participate one, you click on it, we call it flipping the card over. And then you're now in that sort of sub-thread, if you will, um, of what's going on so that you can then really focus on what's going on in this post and only this post, engage, and then come back out and find, is there another engaging piece of content you want to go into? Um, the idea being like, you're, you can't multitask. No one can really multitask as much as we like to believe we can. Right. I agree. So go in, focus, back out, go in, focus, back out. Uh, don't mark things as red just because you scrolled by them. That's Then you're mm-hmm. losing it and you don't know. And give you different ways to sort and search things so that you can then kind of go in and piecemeal find things as well as you go. It was a good visual description. I, I, I can see that in front of me. Uh, but Thank you. Um, <laughs> what um, – do they have to go in and out of the courses from the LMS or once they get into Harmonize, do they see these uh, cards from multiple courses? Uh, it is per course. Um, and so what we like to do is we we integrate really tightly with the LMSs to let our grid of cards be associated with the topic. This is very – so we try to stay traditional in that we don't want instructors to have to learn a whole new paradigm because instructors are busy and they don't need to think about changing the world through technology and how we build it, they need to instead focus on teaching. So our goal is um, create a discussion topic, create an assignment just like you would as part of your class. So module one has something you want to talk about. Uh, create a space for these cards to appear uh, and embed embed that inside of your module. So when the students are looking at their list of what they need to do in that module, it's right there. They click on it. The content is focused purely on what's happening in that module um, and then come back out. And then when they go into module two, it's kind of a fresh start. You can do things that last longer than one module. That's not something we limit. But if you choose to, you can make it that granular so that students can really focus on what's happening in the course right now without having to filter through them all and be like, wow, there's so much going on because the course has been going on for 15 weeks, like um, getting lost in so much of it. So we really try to segment things and let the instructor segment things in a way uh, that that lets it map to what they're trying to do from a course design perspective. You know, when, when, when I think of different uh, technologies that, that, that people add to the LMS, uh, you know, there, there are some add-ons that uh, might just do video or or might mm-hmm. do a good job at a, a video assignment, but it sounds like you're you're handling uh, a lot of those things together in one in one product. Uh, Harmonize. Is there anything else that um, that we haven't touched on that uh, you would highlight as uh, something that's that's really special about your product? I mean, there is the the thing we're focused on is trying to get the both peer to peer engagement happening. So like we're launching student facilitation support, you know, coming up, I think, gosh, I think in like two weeks, I'm going to have to go check my schedule. Um, So we're trying to, in any way we can, get students to interact with other students and instructors to interact with students. And so we we go a couple levels deep to where if they are actually going to upload content, we allow annotations to happen on that content. So instead of having to then pull that out into a piece of software and talk about it and draw on it or whatever, uh, we let them mark up videos, we let them mark up images, we let them have that sort of interaction back and forth so that um, you know, it could just be a discussion where they're doing it. It could be a full-blown assignment. It could be a small group assignment. It could be a private assignment. We're really trying to meet the instructor with whatever tools they would need that they would normally have in the online on-site classroom. And so we we kind of do these deep dives into, you know, let's say 
you're teaching an American Sign Language class um, and you have the students record the video, we give the instructor the tools to actually pause the video and like draw on it and say, hey, your hands are too far apart here. Try to bring them closer together. And that's something they could do in person pretty easily, but online is extremely hard to do. And so we're trying to give them the tools to be able to do that. And that we're trying to expand even further into that realm of like, what kind of annotations does the instructor need to do to be able to give feedback to the student? And can we expand into start allowing the students to give feedback in similar ways to their fellow students? Right now, we don't allow that sort of peer to peer because we want to make sure we get that right in terms of um, how do they, how, what do we allow in terms of critique from peer to peer and how do we organize that and such? Well, that that's that's very interesting. I'm, I'm glad uh, you you mentioned that because, you know, I remember when we were all impressed how within an LMS you could mark up somebody's Word document, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, without having to download and upload. And so you're saying that faculty and students can mark up a video. Uh, I have trouble visualizing how you do that. <laughs> then you don't have to get into the deep the technology. But are you saying that? That if you if there's a, a Zoom recording, you can you can annotate a Zoom recording. Um, yeah, a Zoom recording or any video. So imagine, so a video is nothing more than a bunch of pictures strung together really quickly, right? And so at any point you can stop the the video and then you have uh, you have a picture in front of you. And so what we do is we lace together and say, you know, just use whiteboard tools like you can draw boxes and circles and letters and lines on the individual frames. And then we provide an interface that lets us tell the student, hey, you know, at at minute 132 and at minute 345, Um, the instructor has said something. So Uh, you got to say you have really a a still frame that's marked up. Correct. Yeah. There are some software out there that does real-time video markup and lets it sort of fade in and out. Super awesome stuff. Um, But we take more of the, like, let's keep it simple. Uh, We can't afford to do that. That would take us 10 years of development. Um, (laughs) And and let's provide this so that it's more of like a pause the frame, say something about it, uh, and then move on. Uh, and then pause the frame and say something. And, you know, like the ASL is my favorite because I saw um, someone doing that and it was super cool. But it's good for like student presentations when they're standing up there giving a presentation in front of their video um, to be able to pause and be like, here is where you didn't have great eye contact. Or here was a point where you had a chance to ask something of the students and you didn't if you're a teacher trying to learn how to teach or something. Um, so, you know, point in time critiques of what they're doing. Right. Now, you, you, I'm sorry, you said ASL? ASL, yeah, American Sign Language, sorry. Oh, oh to- okay. Yeah, I'm not not big on or up on sign language. I didn't get that. All right, I did. I didn't know that until last year when, when there were, I was approached, oh gosh, no, two years ago I was approached at CanvasCon by someone teaching ASL and was like, uh-huh. this is amazing. This is how we could use it. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I totally thought of that. Actually, I <laughs> talking about that's a great idea. And then we started approaching people to use it. And they did. And it was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, what a, what a neat thing to do. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been very uh, interesting to me. It sounds like, uh, you know, I've, I'm always thinking, you know, what uh, is this a unique product? Um, is the, I don't know if you want to tell me, but there's any other products that, that have all your features out there. It seems like you're in pretty unique space. Yeah. No one's really doing everything that we're doing. Um, I think we it's interesting in that. You know, we we approached this first by building everything we thought needed to be built to make it fully featured. So we didn't actually go to market with like a product that wasn't that didn't have a lot going on. 
Um, and so I think we approached it a little differently. And we spent a couple years in development on this um, before we rolled it out. And people, you know, there were a couple institutions using it to give us feedback and help us improve it. Um, but we approached it a little differently, I think, than a lot of sort of, um, you know, companies who are on the track to take massive financial funding and, and prove profitability and et cetera. We were able to be much more cautious in what we did. Um, yeah, well, it sounds like it's been a great approach. Um, well, listen, I, I would be respectful for your time and my audience time. This has been great. Is there any any uh, final um, words you'd like to leave with the audience? Uh, anything um, in the future that we haven't talked about yet? You want to you want to give a plug for the coolest thing I think we're doing, and I don't know where this will go because we need the data science to prove us right before we start building a product around it. But we have this theory of. Like, you know, you have all these systems that are trying to aid retention to give early warning to, hey, this student, you know, didn't show up. The student failed an exam. Let's intercede with them with an advisor before we go. And and as we're looking at the data that we're seeing happening in these classrooms, we're doing data science on it to say what type of engagement, what makes for good engagement, what actually makes for someone who's going to succeed or not. And it's different for every type of student you have, obviously. Uh, but one of the areas we're pushing into is to say, can we actually create what we call a, a formative uh, uh, you know, dropout detector is one of the famous ones out there on the internet, right? But can we can we do that a stage earlier and say, hey, you know, Early on, we're seeing the student go quiet. We're seeing their connectivity to their peers start to fade. Um, let's nudge the instructor to intercede so that that student never gets to the point of actually dropping out, of missing a class or failing an assignment or something. And can we start to do that? Um, and we have a bunch of sort of preliminary results showing that we think it's possible, but we probably have another two months, uh, three months of really doing some hard science on it to say, is this a real thing that we can then push up the line to, to kind of nudge the instructor more to say, not only, you know, here's a student who you haven't simply interacted with, but also here's a student, the type they are and maybe what they need from you. Um, and then can we eventually go to the point of funneling that up to some of these more advanced systems to say, hey, here's an in early indicator, like check out these students to make sure they aren't fading away. I think that's the the unexpected, I guess, is why I bring it up because I was thinking as we're building this, I'm like engagement, communication tools, et cetera. But then it's like, oh, wow, like we have this trove of data that is really hard <laughs> to analyze. But if we can analyze it, um, can we actually start to get to that core of like early early retention warnings and such so students who are, are fading away before they fade away? Well, listen, that's certainly a, a noble uh, cause uh, for it's certainly cheaper to keep students than than have to uh, find find new students to take their place, and it's it's better for the faculty and students all around. So, anyway, Marcus, I want to thank you so much for uh, talking to me today, and uh, I think this went well. Thank you. Appreciate it. So that's it for this episode. I learned a lot. It's a very clever application. Um, it sounds like something that's sorely needed to, especially in their COVID world, to make discussion boards more engaging and clever. So it looks like they have a unique play on discussion boards. Stay tuned for the song, Kiss This, Hey IRS. I hope you paid up to the IRS this year. Until next time, have a great week. Fifteenth, I don't need another judgment day. No, anything the good Lord giveth, Uncle Sam he taketh away. 
Cause Big Brother's got a big debt Baby, guess who has to pay? It's the way you mug me It's unspeakable pain It's a personal washout Down a bottomless drain It's abhorrently taxing It's unbelievable Kiss this, kiss this Hey IRS, kiss this, kiss this Doing taxes ain't so scary Simply add up what you made Oh, take it to the actuary Where he subtracts the tax you've paid Then you mail in twice the difference Plus a check for Medicaid It's a Form 1040 It's a penalty clause It's inscrutable worksheets It's nonsensical laws It's unspendable income It's undeductible Kiss this, kiss this Hey IRS, kiss this, kiss this You can tax me on my taxes Then you tax the funds that remain oh, You can tax me on bikini waxes For a jolt of similar pay oh, Slap on sadistic audits Don't let anything pass you bent me over, so kiss my assets It's the way you mug me It's relentlessly lame It's aggressively wasteful This unwinnable game It's unsportsmanlike conduct It's undepreciable Kiss this, kiss this It's criminal Kiss this, kiss this Kiss my bottom line, baby. Kiss my bottom line, darling. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of the University of the Sciences or any other institution or company.